This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Actually, I'm more thinking about the players that I had to leave out of the 23 and the ones I didn't get on the pitch because, yeah, they've been such a massive part of what we're doing. And um, it's so difficult to, to keep a group of this size um, involved, happy, feeling valued. And, um, yeah, and yet... Those guys have been phenomenal with the way they've sacrificed themselves for the group and they've understood the importance of the group. We're, we're in a semi-final because of that spirit in, in a lot of aspects. Of course, the quality of the play as well, important. But, um, you know, I've, I've seen lots of nations go out of tournaments because the spirit hasn't been like these boys have got. And um, it, it's something very special that they've got to recognise. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Gareth Southgate, uh, bigging up the spirit of the current England squad. And why not indeed? It is semi-final time at Euro 2020. We're here to look forward to the midweek's big games and also provide some post-mortem. On, on the weekend's fixtures. Uh, here to help me do all that, we've got Cam Raslan. Hello, Cam. Hi, Ross. Uh, Arvin Sidhu is also here. Hello, Arvin. Hello, everyone. Good to be here. And Craig Wilkie. Still the only side unbeaten against England. <laughs> Still the only side unbeaten. You keep, you keep, yeah, he's going to put that on t shirt soon. <laughs> tweet us individually. Uh, find us on Twitter or tweet at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media, BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Right, let's work our way through the weekend's quarterfinals. It all started Friday night with Switzerland 1, Spain 1. Spain winning 3-1 on penalties after extra time. Um, Jordi Alba, well, it was actually a Dennis Zakaria own goal in the end. But um, let's start with the Spanish then, Cam Razlan. Are you? Have you been impressed? By, by Spain and the, the new breed of tiki-taka? It seems wrong to say that a team that scored 11 goals in the last three games um, cannot score goals. <laughs> um, they, they're, they're really one short of a um, striker. And, and I've, I've been going back and looking at previous recent previous uh, Spanish strikers, and I feel like there's a, a common denominator. They need to be huge personalities. They need to be like firestorms. Luis Enrique himself, uh, the, the the manager, uh, David Villa, he, the people who demand the ball. You cannot be a shy, retiring wallflower. And they, they don't have that personality up front. Uh, I, I feel that when in the schoolyards people are picking uh, people to play football, where I grew up, the last person to be picked would be the goalkeeper. Uh, and I think that in Spain, the last piece person to be picked would become the striker. Oh, um, it's all it's, it's all about the midfield, and they're magnificent in the midfield. Uh, but can they score, especially in Italy? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Alvaro Morata is, is, is much loved and maligned in, in the same amounts, really. Um, he, Cam's got a point, though, Arvin. Spain do lack that cutting edge, but five goals, consecutive games, they're into the semifinals. You can't knock that, right? But they've kind of... How do I put this? They're there, but have they impressed throughout the tournament besides that one game where they, they got a couple of goals? Not really. Uh, even the goal that they conceded was from a miscom, Laporte knocking it into Pau Torres and then and then Switzerland score from there. 
for, for a long period of time, they tried to score when they had the man advantage, but they couldn't do it. Um, they tried really, really hard. Chances for Gerard Moreno, Jordi Alba, again, Mikel Oyarzabal. All these players, Gerard Moreno, Mikel Oyarzabal, they do so well for their clubs. Yeah, in, they've in all Spain. had great so, seasons, haven't they? They've all had great seasons. So, so I agree with, with Cam that on the on a national level, maybe that personality isn't quite there yet, or they don't have someone like that. Uh, Unai Simon, I thought did really, really well. Um, but when you look at when you look at the flip side of this, yes, Spain is true to the semifinals, but look at what Switzerland had to deal with. And, and the fact that Spain couldn't overcome them on normal time and had to take it to penalties. This is a Switzerland side that didn't have their captain, Granit Xhaka. Frola was sent off after 80 minutes. Shakiri was taken off. Brie Mbolo, that we talked about so well at the beginning of the tournament, was injured in the first 20 minutes. So Switzerland played really good stuff. But when all those things are at your advantage, Spain, and you still cannot end the game in normal time or in extra time and not taking it to penalties, there's a, there's a cause for concern. Just not... not they're there and thereabouts, but just just not convincing like Spain's from the years years before. Are, are, are we doing Switzerland an injustice here, Craig Wilkie? Uh, led by Jordan Shakiri, 10 men Swiss, they, they put on a great fight. I mean, I'd give them easily 7, 8 out of 10 for their tournament performance, the Swiss. Yeah, definitely. And maybe we are doing them a slight disservice because... They've played very well. And actually, they played very well throughout the tournament. I, I can remember going back to the first game against Wales, where I wasn't actually that impressed by them. I thought they, they kind of got into the tournament slightly slowly. But since then, they've really picked up and they've developed some momentum. And Shakiri is, is the one that, that I would mention. He's, he's not had a lot of game time at Liverpool in recent seasons. We all know what the qualities that he has. He's got that little bit of creativity. He's, he kind of strikes me as a, as a street footballer, you know, someone who can do something that little bit unpredictable, that, that little bit different. And, and, and that's something which, which terrifies defences yeah. on occasion. And he's really stepped up. He's become one of the more senior players and leaders within that squad. And I think he's really, really shown that. And he's really thrived on being given that responsibility. And all the talk is that he will likely still leave Liverpool this summer. I would think after those performances that he's just put in at the Euros, there'll be a lot of interest in him and, mm. and rightly so because he can still do it at a very high level. And beyond that, the Swiss, as has been the case for quite some time now, they're a very well-drilled team. You know, they don't give a lot away. They keep their shape. They're very disciplined, make it quite hard for teams to play through them. And, and the Spaniards, yeah, exactly as the guys have been saying, just struggled a little bit. There's something not quite clicking. They play some good football in midfield. They can keep the ball. Pedri, I think, is such a phenomenal talent in the making. And, and actually, yeah, yeah. actually, they need to get more out of him. And, and by that, I mean they need to get him in slightly more advanced, more dangerous positions. You know, If you can get the ball to him in and around the box, he's going to create all sorts of havoc. And where, where I feel in this tournament Spain have been better is on those occasions where they pushed the fullback higher. You know, on, on those times we've seen where Azpilicueta and Alba have, have pushed a little bit higher up the pitch and they've been overlapping, that's actually where the Spaniards have been you know, overloading teams and, and actually creating some stuff. But otherwise, they can come a become a little bit predictable the way they play through the midfield. So, yeah, it was, it was an interesting game. And once it goes to penalties, it can go anywhere. And, and Summer in the Swiss goals had such a great, oh, a great a tournament. Yeah. And he had a, had a great game as well. So yep. when it went to penalties, I, I almost fancied the Swiss going into the shootout, to be honest. When Unai Simon was given the man of the match, he said, what? I'll give it to Jan Sommer. <laughs> <laughs> That's how good Jan Sommer was. All right, uh, Spain have a, an almighty test in the semifinals. Uh, they'll be taking on Italy. 
Belgium versus Italy was the titanic clash of the quarterfinals. It was a 3 a.m. Saturday morning game. Everybody in Malaysia watched it because we were all in lockdown. <laughs> Belgium won, Italy two. Arguably the best team of the tournament camp knocks out the FIFA world rank number one team. Talk up the Italians, Cam. Well, they're magnificent. They're actually, um, they're flawless. Uh, you know, you can't, I don't think you can really find an area where they are uh, weaker in deficit and they have strikers, uh, people up front who can pull something out of the bag. That second goal um, was uh, superb and it came out of nowhere. And that's so Italian and so terrifying. Um, and also, in the case of Spain, they almost have a one-goal advantage already because they can play to a draw and uh, go to penalties and they'll win. Um, <laughs> it's, it's written that way, isn't it? Spain are so appalling, historically appalling at penalties, and they've done nothing to improve. Almost them. English, are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> I think on paper they're actually worse. Um, <laughs> no, but I think, I think that they have won two, two quite important ones in the past, but... Uh, no, I, I can't see any any um, flaws with this Italian team. And I want England to win. I mean, I haven't even you know, met Denmark yet, but I can't see how anybody can beat this team. The defense, they, celebrate, they celebrate defensive actions like they've just won the World Cup. Um, yeah. that, that is a testimony to, to, to Italians. Yeah. Yeah. Um... What can you say? Two superb goals. Let's talk a little bit about Belgium, Arvin Sidhu. Um, Belgium went into this tournament as, as one of the favourites, and rightly so. FIFA world rank number one team. But the guys, in fact, everyone's been saying since the start of the tournament, the only weak link about this Belgium side is that ageing defence. And it's, it's the undoing, really, in this tournament. Was, it was a mistake for the first goal conceded. I mean, you need to clear your lines better. You can't that. let a guy run past three defenders. <laughs> you can't. You can't. I don't know. When you look at the combined age of the three centre-backs, they're all above 100. When you look at Jan Vertogen, Toby Alderweireld, they're all, they're all above 100 when you combine all three of them. Great freak by Barella for the goal. But, I mean, what are you doing trying to clear, trying to trying to walk out of the out of your box with that with that goal? Obviously, the Lorenzo Insigne goal, there's not much that you can do about that because he's done that in Serie A so many times and it's just absolute quality. Yes, now there's a lot of talk in the press is that has the Belgium FA made a mistake by giving the keys of this golden generation, not just to Roberto Martinez, but to Mark Wilmots before this as well? Because when you look at the, the, the array of talent that that squad has, yes, Italy bossed possession. Italy actually bossed quite a lot of the play. But when they went forward, Belgium had their chances. They had their chances. Romelu Lukaku had, had an opportunity. Kevin De Bruyne was testing uh, Donnarumma. So they had their chances. But next year's World Cup surely has to be the final push for this golden generation. Do, do you reckon Martinez will still be at the helm? Well, he's come out and he says that things are very raw right now. I don't know what he means by that. But I, I if, if the Belgian FA look back at this, yes, you've made it to the quarterfinals. Yes, last year, World Cup, the previous World Cup, you did okay. But they need to look at a change because obviously he's not getting them across the line. They don't want to look back at this Belgium golden generation and say, we didn't win anything. That That's going to be such such a regret when they look at it. But they've got some good players. Jeremy Doku was really, really, played yeah. really well on the yeah. day. Something good for their future. Yuri Tillemans will be there for a couple of years. 
so yeah but what a quality game overall such it was just such a beautiful football to watch a game like that and the one thing that i i kept taking away from that and if italy ever win this tournament it would be Leonardo Spinazzola. He's injured for the rest of the tournament, yeah. five, six months out. Achilles. But if you remember, if it wasn't for him, Romelo Lukaku would have equalized. Yeah. So if Italy look back and they think that they've won this tournament, Leonardo Spinazzola played such a crucial role in that at that part of the play. Kevin De Bruyne played through the pain barrier as well. You literally could see him wince with every pass. It was that intense. But the wise men, Craig Wilkie, say that Tournaments, championships are won with a good defence. And in, in Bonucci and Cialini, I mean, it's wow. You've got the two of the best there, really, haven't you? Yeah, you do. Those guys have got so much experience between them and they read the game so well. And a lot of the time, they don't have to make those sorts of last-ditch challenges, although they're more than capable of doing that, just because... They they manage the game so well. That's that's one thing that the Italians have always done. And as Cam mentioned, the they're so committed. And there's a myth actually that Italian football is very defensive. I don't think it is, but they just have this passion for defending. They see it as an art. They see it as a skill. And that's why they celebrate in the way that they yeah. do as a certain defensive act being you know accomplished to such a high level. And when you've got that solidity when you've got that platform it's always going to give a team confidence and you can see the confidence that the Italians are playing with not just in this tournament but the run that they've been on for a long time prior to it you know when you when you go that long unbeaten when you win those those amount of games and some people say okay but the quality of opposition wasn't that great but they're now proving that they're doing it against some really really good teams and and Belgium were a good team let's make no no bones about it this was this was a very high quality game of football but what i like most about this this side is the balance you know it's not a side just built to defend the way that they dictated play in the midfield some of the passing movements were were fantastic and again up front as as cam was saying you've got insignia it reminds me a little bit of Grealish actually some of the positions that he takes up some of the way he just drops a shoulder and defenders don't know which way he's going to go and cause all sorts of problems and one other thing i would say about the italians is let's give some credit to mancini He's a, he's a manager that's had his ups and downs, let's see. Throughout a his lot of career. flack. A but lot just, of flack. He just looks like he was made for international football. And there was that scene at the end of the game where he got everybody together and the, you can see that togetherness and that spirit in the squad. And they, they are all playing for that manager and he's, he's got them. It looks like there's a lot of harmony in that camp. They're all on the same page and they will go on very confidently towards the semifinals. Yeah, and if you think, well, the only thing lacking is bleephousery, then watch Chiro Immobile go from immobile to very mobile in, in a few seconds. Come. You know, I, I, I've been watching that and people are laughing at it, but actually, you know, it worked. He, <laughs> he lay on the ground and there was a, a Belgian defender, I'm not quite sure who it was, who spent time kind of like shouting at Immobile the, the play was still on, so he was then not in any kind of position to react to the play. So he was out of position when the goal was then scored right past him. So it works. It and works. It's not against the rules. So no. I don't think you can really complain about that or laugh at it. With the, with the right amount of dark arts introduced into your football, you too could be a very, very successful side. <laughs> All right. We're breaking there. We're uh, more of the weekend's excellent quarterfinals right after this. Excellent first touch, then beats the defender, and he takes it so early. See the bend and the dip. 
great technical ability, knew exactly what he was doing as soon as he got the ball. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. An outpouring of emotion as the Danish recovery begins. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Here we all are, Arvin, Craig and Cam looking back at the weekend's excellent Euro quarterfinals. Uh, Czech Republic 1, Denmark 2 was uh, was quite a game to watch. Superb goals, uh, as, as they all have been at, at these Euros. Uh, the Danes, Kamraslan, they are driven by emotion, driven by desire, driven by teamwork. But shades of 1992 here from Denmark that I saw, I saw Danish posts all, all over saying, Schmeichels like to rewrite history. And then there was a picture of Peter lifting the trophy and Casper in the background. It's like, I mean, there's a lot to like about this Denmark side. Uh, extremely. Uh, there have been some turgid Denmark sides in the recent past, but uh, this is a really exciting one. And um, no, not necessarily, especially with Ericsson out, not necessarily fill, filled with uh, famous names like you know, Laudrups or something. But... Uh, the wingbacks especially are, are really happening and um schmeichel you really want i think he, i think he's pretty he's a very underrated untalked about goalkeeper because i think he's so at home at leicester that there's never any talk about him moving anywhere but he is such a fine goalkeeper and i uh you know if you're writing a script a movie script you would make denmark win the competition because that would be one hell of a story so uh, you know, I'm I'm very I'm very nervous about the upcoming semi-final. I think if if you're a Danish football fan, you this match was won by Denmark tactically. They they went out with a football plan and executed it to perfection in that first half, and and that's all down to that their coach Casper Hulman, uh, Arvin. He he's been good. Of course, they've been they've been stars. I mean, Damsgaard. Uh, Dahlberg have all have all stood out as well. Yeah, I mean, okay, let's push aside the emotion bit. Obviously, everyone's going to remember what happened with Christian Eriksen, which is very unfortunate. But if you push that emotion bit out of it, which they're clearly riding on, but they had home games and they weren't home over the weekend, yeah, right? This they, they still played some really really eye catching football. There were triangles, there were give and goes, some really good football, and the foundation at the back is so good because besides Casper Schmeichel, you've got. A three, you've got three defenders, and unlike Belgium, these defenders are young and actually have got a little bit of little bit of run, running in their legs. You've got Simon Kia, you've got Andres Christensen, and you've got Yannick Westergaard. And then you've and like what Cam says, the, the two wing-backs bomb forward. Joaquin Male for me, that goal, for the second goal... The assist of the to, tournament, right? To be able to assist with an out of... from the outside of your boot and to put it there and then for a sliding goal from Kasper Dahlberg... It, it bodes well. And England have reasons to be afraid. Let's not put this anyway. We can all say, yes, England has not conceded any goals in this tournament. Well, the team who's considered the least shots on goal, that's Denmark for you. So if England think they're going to have it easy against Denmark, they need to think again. And it's it's just such a nice story because if someone like Thomas Delaney scores, then the next game, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg will, will do well. If if Yusuf Paulson doesn't score, then they're bringing Kasper Dolberg. So yeah. a, a lot of these things are are falling into place for Denmark. So really impressive, really fe- good feel-good story. Uh, it's it's going to be a very interesting semi-final tie, but much closer than I think a lot of people think it's going to go. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. Uh, Craig Wilkie, you, you look at the Czech run 
And and that they put up a good fight against Denmark. But you look at that Czech run. Which how how many parts of you think that should have been Scotland? <laughs> Well, <laughs> I think there's a lot of things I think about Scotland. Um, the Czechs have overachieved. Let's let's be clear yeah. about that. Yeah. And because I, I remember watching them in that first game against Scotland, and of course they'll be remembered for the incredible chic goal in that game. But they didn't look as though they were necessarily going to the quarterfinals back then. Um, and e- even throughout the group, they were they they never really. Uh, set the world on fire, you know. That must it, be it even more, more annoying for you. Yes, it is a slightly, slightly <laughs> more annoying. Is that? And, and I actually feel as though Scotland gave them too much respect in that in that yeah. opening game. Yeah. To, to be absolutely honest, but you've got to give them credit. And I think eventually, as the tournament goes on, you you don't get where you get to by accident. You know, they've they've played a lot of football and they've they've shown some quality. And and I think they, Sheik has obviously been the player that's that's made the difference. You know, he's joined top scorer with with Ronaldo right now. And, and that's what you need. You need someone in that final third. And if you want to compare the difference to Scotland, that's exactly what we lacked. Yeah. You know, I think we, we were okay defensively. We probably matched them and other teams in midfield, but couldn't convert the chances. And that's what Sheik has given them. And always when you have a player of that quality, and we can see it the same with the Danes, you know, they've got players in that final third who are both creating and scoring. And that's what's going to take you to the latter stages. But when they, when they get back and they look at the tournament as a whole, they can definitely be quite quite proud of, proud of their efforts. What I will say on the game, though, is I felt Denmark absolutely bossed the first half. You know, thoroughly deserved to be be two goals up. But when they did get the goal back, the Czechs, I was a little bit disappointed that they they didn't quite take enough risks for me. They still mm. sort of sat back. They wanted to keep the game tight, and it became a little bit too comfortable for Denmark in the end. Schmeichel wasn't really tested. You know, there wasn't a lot of balls going into the box. You'd want to see Suchek getting in on crosses and, you know, just trying to put defenders under pressure. But they didn't really take that sort of a chance for me quite enough. And, and in the end, Denmark absolutely deserved it. And, and they probably just left something a little bit short there, the Czechs, at the end. Yeah, I, I thought the Danes showed another part to their game, the fact that they, they can dig in and they can dig in really well. So watch out, England. Speaking of England... Um, what do you know? England, this is the new England, Kamraslan. Uh, it's, it's, it's a tactical England. It's a young England. Now, you and I are old enough to remember watching England at many, many, many tournaments. Um, it's never felt like this. I mean, we're not going to say those three words just yet, but uh, mm. you know what I mean? I'm at four, a 4-0 away win in, in the Olympico Stadium against Ukraine is impressive. I know, Ross. I mean, what have the last 30 years of following England, <laughs> what does it mean? I mean, does it mean nothing? 55 it's, years now, my friend. Well, 30 for me, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it, this was game management, the tournament management. This is strategic thinking that started right the way back in um, qualifiers, uh, pacing the, the, the team. And, you know, the first thing that Southgate said after the match, the first people, the first person that he congratulated was Ben Chilwell, who wasn't even on the pitch. He was saying it's an entire squad effort, and you know the hardest thing for him is to leave people out. It's like he didn't say, "Oh, Harry Kane scored a goal, a great goal." No, no, he talked. It. it I, I'm, I'm. I was kind of at the end of it. I felt a little bit cheated because <laughs> the last time that in the Euros that England scored a goal that early was I think it was a 2004 against Portugal and they went on to be two goals up 
and then Luis Figo destroyed England. And I will always have imprinted on my, my memory Tony Adams backpedaling against oh, yes. Luis Figo. <laughs> and, and they won 3-2. And that is England, surely. Not, not, they didn't go on to win 4-0. No, 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 no. Something's, something's not right here. Yeah. Arvin, how much of this New England we're talking about is, is attributed to Gareth Southgate? Because he's almost anti-Jose Mourinho, isn't he? Yes, I think a lot of he has to he has to get a lot of credit for this. I mean, back-to-back semifinals for a manager at a major tournament. Whatever you say, you can say whatever you want. You've got an easier run. You had a fading Germany. You still have to do the business no matter what. Back-to-back semifinals, most successful manager when it comes to winning knockout rounds for England, four wins. I mean, I mean it's not a huge number, but still, I mean, he does deserve quite a lot of credit. Um, I thought it was very refreshing that he started. No one before the game thought Jadon Sancho would start. Really, literally, if you read any of the reports online, you potentially thought Jack Grealish would come in because of his cameo experiences. For him to just throw Jadon Sancho on. And what I really admired about him is that he said, I'm going to show Ukraine respect. I've got four players on the yellow cards, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, Phil Foden, I can't remember who the fourth one was, on, on yellow cards. Maguire. Yeah, Maguire. And he said, I'm not going to drop people who don't need to be dropped. Three of them played and they're all okay for the semifinals now. Uh, Jordan Pickford, second ever goalkeeper to keep seven consecutive clean sheets after Gordon Beck's did it in 1966. Is that an omen? I don't know. But that's it, it was important for England to come up with a statement performance because you don't want the entire tournament for you to be the one nils and the two nils. This was a statement performance from England. And it will both them because confidence is just riding so high right now. And Harry Kane, it's coming at the right moment. Raheem Sterling, one of the players of the tournament. So a lot of credit goes to Gareth Southgate because he's made this happen. Yeah, absolutely. For for the Ukraine, 4-0 is their joint biggest defeat at a tournament. Uh, I think Spain uh, beat them 4-0 last time. But um, what does a Scotsman have to say about the English then? I, I, I'm curious. Do, do you give kudos to the right blend? I mean, what are your thoughts on this England? It's, 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 I'd really love to know, Craig Wilkie. First of all, what happened in 1966? I never hear England fans talk about it. Uh, v- VAR wasn't introduced. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> so, okay, well, well, you put me in a very difficult position as a Scotsman, but uh, I, I'm, I find myself forced to give credit to this England side and a lot of credit to this England side, and including Gareth Southgate, actually, as Arvin was just mentioning, who I've been a critic of prior to the tournament. I've been a critic of him during the tournament, through the group stages where I felt England were far too cautious. But you cannot ignore getting to a semi-final without conceding a goal in the manner that England have done it. And, okay, let's, let's bring in the little caveat that Ukraine were by far the weakest of those sides in the quarterfinals. I, I, I really do Agreed. believe so. And, and, the, and on the night, they were even weaker than I expected them to be. They just, they just didn't turn up and put in a performance at all. But as, as Cam mentioned, and Arvin mentioned, you can only beat who's there in front of you. And that's the impressive thing about this England squad is that they, there's, a, there's a professionalism, there's a ruthlessness about them. They're not getting carried away by the occasion. We saw that in the Germany game. We saw it again versus Ukraine. And a lot of the credit for that does go to Southgate. He's got a very calm manner about him. He's, he's keeping this, this squad's feet on the ground. And he's, he's acknowledging enough. He knows all the excitement. He knows all the hysteria that there's going to be back home. 
and it's only going to build ahead of you know a Wembley semi-final. But that there's so much talent in that squad, and if you look at it in a way, this is just England meeting expectations, and that's what the real drama of the past thirty years has been. If you look at you look at those squad lists prior to the Euro starting, only France for me matched England yeah. as a squad and a potential starting eleven. Only France, and we know that they've had their their issues and they're out. So. England should have beaten that Germany, and they did comfortably. Of course, they should have beaten that Ukrainian side, but they did it in a very comfortable manner. No, no drama, no, no shocks, no, no nothing. And, and that's what will give them so much confidence going on. And we'll come on to talk about it in a bit, but the Wembley factor will come into it as well. And you just look throughout the whole team. I thought Luke Shaw has been England's best player in the tournament overall. He's given them so much going forward down that left-hand side. Maguire who's been, you know, he's had his critics in the past, although I think a lot of that is memes, you know, people who have watched him regularly know what a good footballer, what a good centre-half he is. And then there's just quality all throughout that side. And when you've got so much attacking talent, when you've got Harry Kane back scoring goals, Sterling has justified the faith that the manager's put in him, you know, because he again had some question marks over him coming into the tournament. He's nailed on to start. And then it's just a question of who do you want to play alongside? Do you want to play Foden? Do you want to play Grealish? Do you want to play Sancho? What it's, a nice headache. Eh? It's an absolutely incredible selection. Um, and again, when you look at it, compare it to, to Germany, compare it to Ukraine, compare it to the Spanish in terms of attacking options. In, England have just got so much going for them and, and they've handled everything so well. And even what, I, again, you know, looking at as a Scotsman, when you watch them in, in the camp, you know, when you watch them in training and just relaxing, they look like there's so much spirit there. They look like they're staying calm as well. And that's why... That's why I make them favourites for the tournament right now. Ooh, oh, yeah. All right. That's a b- brilliant point for us to go into a break. I'm going to wipe myself down, cool down and stuff. <laughs> Back right after this. How doesn't he head it? Wisely thrown himself. That's a diving header, isn't it? A bullet in the back of the net. A legend was waiting there to be born. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Energy, emotions renewed. Efforts refocused. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Cam Raslan, Craig Wilkie and Arvin Sidhu. It's our penultimate Monday show of the season. We'll have one more next Monday to look back at the final and and the the season in general. And then we're going to have a one-month break. We'll be back on Friday the 13th. 13th of August, that is. For the start of the brand new season. Right, if you want to tweet us, uh, tweet at BFM Radio or find us individually on Twitter. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and on Instagram. Right, two enormous semifinals to talk about. Italy versus Spain is first up Wednesday at 3 a.m. Getting past the front, the back two of Italy, Leonardo Bonucci and and Giorgio Cellini. Uh, Cam Roslan, remains to be the main <laughs> obstacle for opposition strikers. And, and we've talked about Spain and, and how they're really blunt up front. On paper, from what everyone's been saying, this should be a walkover. And it's going to be, isn't it? Oh. Right. Sorry, the, <laughs> the tone of your voice suggested something. Do you know something? Um, no. The... Uh, Italians are, um, does Spain have, every country I think has its kind of boogeyman team. Uh, for England, it's always been Germany. For for the Spanish, it's it's Italy. Um, they they feel, you know, that their artistry gets let down. 
is ultimately chopped down by the cynicism of the Italians. And and that's what's going to happen this time. Um, I, I don't, I just, it'll be an absolute shock. It's going to be a great game. And I cannot see how this Italian team can be beaten by a, by a kind of a toothless um, Spanish team. If you don't have the straight, if you don't have a David Villa, how, how can you get past these people? Well, if anyone can play with false nines and no strikers, it is the Spanish sides. Uh, Spain have literally plowed their way through the tournament. Tournament. They've been patient. They play steady football. And the Italians, on the other hand, it's 100 miles an hour running at you, falling over. Um, contrasting styles, Craig Wilkie. It's, it's all set up for a, an excellent semi-final, isn't it? I think it's going to be a really good game. And I feel it's a bit closer than what Cam is intimating. Definitely, I make Italy favourites because they, the run that they've been on, the way that they've played throughout the tournament, they've probably been the most impressive side throughout the tournament as a whole. But when you get to a semi-final and you're that close to potentially winning the whole thing, anything can happen. And anybody who's there will believe that they have an opportunity to win it. And one thing I will say about the Spanish is that they've been tested and they've found a way through it. They were, they were tested in that extraordinary game against Croatia where they had the lead and they lost it. And then they had to come back in extra time. But the way they started that first half of extra time just showed that they have the mentality that they're not going to get completely bullied out of their strides. So it's been a bit of a roller coaster. They've been up and down. At times they've played quite well. At times they've looked a bit of a shadow of their former selves. But they're still, let's not be in any doubt, there's still some quality in that side. You know, when you've got Busquets, I mentioned earlier about Pedri as the, the new generation coming through. They, they still have quality there. It's a question of can they put it together as a performance for 90 minutes on the night? And we know it's going to be very difficult against the Italians because of all those things that this Italy team brings. But the Spaniards, sometimes you just get a feeling that, you know, if you've overcome a few obstacles, if you've overcome a few hurdles, then things might start to go your way. And, and they will have that sense in the camp, I imagine. And, and they'll, they'll have enough confidence. These are players who've played in huge games for many, many years. So they, they won't be overawed by a semi-final at all. And, and who knows, the, the Italians, this might be the first real test. I mean, we thought that might come against Belgium, but this might be the first real test of their credentials and whether they genuinely believe that they can win it. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, and anybody who, who loves football is, is salivating looking at this one, Arvin. It's two world-class midfields going up against each other. Which one for you edges it? Uh, it's very interesting when you speak about the midfields. Cesar Spilicueta has come out and said, you stop Jorginho, you stop Italy. And that's a very, very interesting piece of work because... Well, it's very interesting because Domenico Berardi started um, the season, started at the tournament really well, and now he's kind of lost his place to Federico Chiesa, Nicola Barella. We saw how well he did against Belgium, but a lot of the a lot of the unsung praise doesn't go to who's at the back, kind of cleaning things up, getting them ticking, and that's Giorgino. If you stop Giorgino, could you stop the Italians potentially? Because the kind of layer of protection is no longer there, and then you go at the back, and then you've got a defense who's Still very mean by all means, but they'll be missing Spinazzola, like I said. Emerson Palmieri hasn't had the greatest of seasons at Chelsea. Could there be an area that Spain could have, could could kind of kind of capitalize on? It really depends on the identity of what Spain want to do up front. While it's kind of clear by now that Enrique is not going to drop Alvaro Morata, he 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 he's such a big fan of the player. That's fair and all good, but the supporting cast around him, 
Pablo Sarabia didn't play really well, but then they were saying that he was kind of having a knock. Danny almost has done well. Do you try and get, add a bit of variety by putting Gerard Moreno up there with, uh, with Morata? So it's really down to the, to the identity of the attack. And for Spain, they just need to cut the defensive issues out because without Sergio Ramos, there isn't that vocal leader at the back. Pau Torres, great season. Laporte, maybe not so because he kind of lost his place in the Man City squad. But someone in that defense kind of just, just needs to take charge. And like, like what uh, Craig said, Sergio Busquets, Rodri, uh, Pedri, all great, but they're not vocal. They're not players who will shout at you to kind of get things going. It's a very quiet Spanish squad. I bet Enrique wishes he was on the pitch once in a while to kind of shout at instructions. So yeah, if they sort those things out, anything can happen on the day. And I've said it at the start of the tournament, Italy, as great as they are, They've not had any blips. They've had one blip against Austria where I think tactically they kind of felt that they, it wasn't going their way and they changed it. But they've not had a big enough blip. And I find it tough to believe that a team will go in an entire tournament without having one. England kind of had that with Scotland. I think Scotland had, that, had them at the ropes a little bit. So it'll be an interesting watch, uh, but Italy still go in as, as, as marginal favourites for this one. Yeah, we, we, we talk about the Spanish being a little bit blunt up front with, with Alvaro Morata and, and, and his current problems, but I, I love him. I love Morata. I want to go on record saying I love Alvaro Morata. But it's, it's the two providing the supporting cast. It's your, your Ferran Torres and your Sarabia, Craig Wilkie. And with that, they give Spain a lot of mobility. So it's something to worry the Italians yeah, this, this is a, a mobile Spanish side. They've got some pace up front, potentially. But it's just a question of how they choose to use that. And I think too often in this tournament, they haven't been on the front foot enough. They've been too content to just knock the ball around in midfield, rely on their strength there, almost try and wear teams down through possession and, and all that kind of stuff, which back in the day when they used to do that with the Javis and the Iniestas, they would do that for 10 minutes. Then all of a sudden there would be a little burst and they would create something out of almost nowhere. That hasn't been quite the case with the Spanish side. But these two teams, it'll be interesting to see how they match up and, and what that tactical battle looks like. And as, as Arvin was mentioning, the whole thing about Jorginho, I think he is so key to how Italy play. Are the Spaniards going to put a man on him? Are they going to try and crowd him out of things? And so both coaches will have a lot to think about. I mentioned Mancini earlier in the show, and I feel as though tactically he probably has a little bit of an edge over Enrique. I think he's, he's got the experience. He's, he's been working with this squad for such a long time. He's got them playing exactly how he wants. And he's, he's got a plan B and a plan C. We've seen that throughout the tournament. The question is, how strong is the, the Spanish plan B and plan C, if it needs to come to that? Um, but either way, I hope, as has been the case throughout this entire tournament, that we get a really wonderful game of football. We get goals. We get attacking play. I mean, it's been such a treat over the last few weeks. And I think there's a lot to look forward to in the semifinals as well. And maybe there's an... When you get to this stage, some teams can get a little bit defensive, can get a little bit cagey because there's so much at stake. But I feel all the sides left in it will be better off going forward, trying to let their attacking players do the business. And let's hope that turns out to be the case in the, the early hours of the morning this midweek. Yeah, I, I was just exactly going to say that. And, and Cam Roslan and I are old enough to remember that generally when you get to semifinals in tournaments, they're always nil-nil, aren't they, Cam? They're always nil-nil, extra time, and then heartache for someone. Well, for sure. But it's gonna be hard, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you've worked so hard to get this far. But this has been a magnificent tournament. Some really fantastic games. But I think I'm going to 
put my money down and say, I think that the Italy-Spain semi-final could well be one of the, could end up being one of the best matches, which will which will be um, interesting. Because I think the flip side could also be true that the uh, England-Denmark could be one of the, well, not dullest, but <laughs> it'll be a chess <laughs> It'll be a chess match, and and there'll be moments of uh, excitement. But it could be just the most exhilarating battle with Italy and Spain. Prediction, Arvin Sidhu, as we go into the break for Spain, oh, Italy. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out of the limb here. I honestly, I I, I just there's there's a nagging feeling with me. I just think it's gonna be a Spain Spain England final somehow. I, I in my view, I just think Spain. Have got have got something about them that will just kind of come up trumps on the day. I know not a lot many people are saying, but it's Spain for me. And Craig, you're you're methodical. I I know you. You're going to go with the Italians, aren't you? Well, I've got a top now, so I have to go with the Italians. <laughs> you you have a I've, top, yes. I've I've changed my nationality for the third time in this tournament. So <laughs> it's Italians all the way for me. Funny, he was only Ukrainian on Friday night. I don't know how it all just... <laughs> all right, final break. We'll talk about England and whether or not it's actually coming home next. Of stories of fairy tales and dreams. This could be the ultimate page turner. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. He's maneuvered an angle. And he nearly found the bottom corner as well. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Here we all are, Cam, uh, Craig and Arvin. It's our penultimate Monday show of the season. One more next Monday to look back on what a wonderful season we've had. But uh, first, let's talk up England versus Denmark. Thursday, 3 a.m. kickoff. England are back at Wembley. Expected crowd 60,000 people at Wembley, and um, they've got to be favourites going into this one, although, Kamraslan, you've alluded to the fact that this one could be a bit of a bore draw. Uh, a, a tense, a tense match. I mean, the, the Ukraine match was, was not tense, and, and I need, I think I'm des- I deserve my tension, unnecessary tension watching England. Um, I think that the advantage that England has is, yes, Wembley, is a big advantage. Another advantage is that there's no discernible particular strength in this England. I think um, we're now aware of wing-backs, say, for Denmark. Uh, we're aware of Jorginho. We, we know what the strengths are for all the others. But we haven't really found the wing-backs. I mean, Luke Shaw's been great, but it hasn't always been totally dependent on that. Um, you, and the, in the last match, you finally had two set pieces coming through they're like they're like a very good sam allardyce bolton wanderers actually I think. <laughs> slightly and, more eloquent one uh, yeah but i mean he had his moments too but uh i i i think that there are still more dimensions uh in this england and he, southgate i do believe has paced himself so that he can bring out those dimensions um at the 20 minute mark half hour whenever my concern would be uh actually pickford in the last 20 minutes of that match, um, Pickford suddenly went a bit weird. Um, unnecessarily, he, a sliced non-clearance seemed to really rattle him. And so I do see uh, a Schmeichel, uh, a typical Schmeichel family amazing throne clearance. The ball goes straight to a Paulson uh, who breaks through and Pickford is out of place. He's far too forward and it's a goal. That's what I see happening. 
Ooh, he's, it's, he's almost played it out there. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for I mean, how, how would you change this England side to Arvin? Would, would you think? I mean, one thing about this England side, Gareth Southgate has been quite tactically astute, hasn't he? He's he's switched between the three three uh, or rather five at the back or, or four at the back. I think he'll probably revert to to uh, uh, five three with three centre backs for this one and, and try and match Denmark up in midfield. Of course. You being a Leeds United fan, Calvin Phillips has been absolutely standout for, for England this tournament. Yeah, he has. Uh, I think besides, I mean, I, I would put him up there with the top three performance for England with Raheem Sterling and also Luke Shaw. I think Harry Kane has kind of come a little bit late to the party, but Harry Kane could have a fantastic end to the end to the tournament. Uh, that double Because why, why would you change something which has proven to shut out every other team? No team has been able to score past England. Uh, and that's down to a lot of the work that both Declan Rice and Phillips do for England. Phillips plays a very different role for England than he does for, for Leeds, by the way. With Leeds, he actually goes back and he's the third centre-back. For England, he wins the ball, he presses eye high up. So it's quite different. But Declan Rice has been fantastic as well. Yeah, yeah. So but the only blip that I saw in the game against Ukraine was Carl Walker. Well, John Pickford, yeah, John Pickford, you expect that a little bit. But when you're up 3 or 4 nil, I mean... Okay, fair enough. But Carl Walker, there were a couple of times where he was a little bit out of position. He gave the ball away. Uh, Yeramanchuk had a chance where yeah. Jonathan Pickford had to save. So Carl Walker, for me, is that slight concern. Does he bring back Kieran Trippier into the mix? He might, because you know how big of a fan he is of Trippier. Uh, but it's up front. What does he do up front? Kane and Sterling will definitely start. What does he do with that last one? Does he bring back Phil Foden in? Does he give Jack Grealish a chance? I think Jaden Sancho had his run out the other time. I'll be surprised if he starts again. So for me, there's not much that Southgate needs to fix, but don't don't fix it if it's not broken. It's not broken so far. No one has got past you. Go with what, what's worked. And tactically, like you said, Ross, he's been astute. He matched Germany. He matched Ukraine. And I expect him to match Denmark again. Yeah, and, and equally astute has been the Denmark coach, Kasper Heumann. Um, And that, that Danish front three, uh, we don't mention it enough, uh, Damsgaard, Mikael Damsgaard, Martin Braithwaite, and, and it's probably going to be Kasper Dahlberg uh, or Yusuf Paulsen. Craig Wilkie, I mean, they're not household names by any means, but we've seen names to fear in this tournament. They can damage you, right? Yeah. I, first, it's just as well I'm not going to be in Scotland anytime soon after I've just made England favourites for the for the tournament. But uh, oh no, you're going to yeah. be locked down for a while. Yeah, don't worry about that. I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's for all the the credit that we give to England, quite rightly, so much credit has to go to Denmark on the other side. And I think as the guys were mentioning before let's not just romanticize this tale. Yes, there's all the emotion. Yes, there's what happened to Ericsson. But at the end of the day, they played really good football. Yeah. And you mentioned those front three and Dolberg for me has impressed so much. He's just, he looks like such a complete center forward. And even the goal that he scored in the quarterfinal, so much was made of the, the cross and the assist. And it was a phenomenal ball in from Mela, but there's still a bit to do at the back post and the way he gets in front of his marker and he's so composed in, in putting the ball into the net. And that's the one thing that will give England pause for thought is that the Danes are creating chances and, and they're scoring as well. And Dolberg has been key to that. I agree with Arvin actually that Kyle Walker has been the, the weak link in that England yeah. defence, maybe in that England team. I, th I think Southgate will, will re retain a back four 
it's just a question of personnel, whether Walker stays in or, or maybe Trippier comes in. And it's a question in the, from the Danes' point of view is, do they really believe they can go to Wembley and win a semi-final? That is the big question. Do they really believe that? And that's, that's what remains to be seen because we know, of course, that the man for man, they don't have the quality of England. You know, they, they don't have those players. For, for all that we mentioned of how well Dahlberg has done, how well Poulsen could come in and do, they don't have the quality of Kane, Sterling, Sancho, whoever, to turn things. And especially if, as Cam was saying, the game gets very tight, if it does become a bit of a chess match, then you, the likelihood is that one of those England players are the ones who will make the difference. That little bit of quality in around the box. But one other thing I will say is that first goal could be so important in this game. You know, if England scored early, if England scored in the first 10 or 15 minutes, I think it'll be a comfortable night for England. If it goes to halftime, nil-nil. If we get to 70 minutes, nil-nil. And then if the Danes were to go ahead, that could, that could really make things interesting because then England are going to have to come out and play in a slightly different way to perhaps how Southgate has set them up. They're going to have to be a little bit more adventurous. He might even have to think about what he does with that double pivot. Does he bring on a, maybe a slightly more attacking option in midfield? But those are all if, buts and maybes. Um, again, I think, I hope we can get a good game of football because I think the Danes won't just come to defend. I think they will try and impose themselves. And that's their only chance. They've got to go and play their own game and not be worried too much about what England are going to do at the other end. They're, they'll only be safe if they're kind of in England's final third. So I hope they play with that kind of adventurous spirit that's taken them thus far in the tournament. And if they do, then I think we'll get another really good game of football. And, and who knows? Although I still expect England to win. Denmark are currently ranked 10th in the world. They're six places below England. Uh, England are the highest ranked teams uh, left in, in the Euros after, after Belgium and France exited. Um, yeah, but ha has this England defence... Well, obviously, they haven't conceded a goal, so they haven't been tested. If you watch the Danes in the last few games, they start fast. They come at you from the kickoff cameras line. So, do you, I mean, obviously, Gareth Southgate being as meticulous as he is, he would have factored that in. Um, it's intriguing. It's it's intriguing game. How do you see it going? I want to score a prediction from you. Oh, no, really? No, no. Because, um, uh, you know, I, I want I England to win, but I actually I do see um, many uh, parallel universes where Denmark win this one. Many timelines. Um uh the the early goal yeah no it's it's yeah, i'm i'm very scared ross i'm very scared because <laughs> because this th this denmark team can can break through but you said they come out the blocks but also england have shown that they start very slowly they they factor that in they close it down they they nullify the game for the first 20 minutes at least and and nothing much can happen sure um, Kane scored in the first three minutes, but that's very rare. So um, I think they've already factored in that speed off the blocks. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I'm not going to give you an answer. <laughs> as, as clear as mud, that one. Um, <laughs> massive clamber, of course, Arvin Sidhu. Uh, you, you've got you've got all, all your social media expert managers picking the sides, and, and nearly everybody's got Jack Grealish in at starting eleven, but. Him, Phil Foden, Marcus Rashford even, all of them, they, they've all partly been used or they've been used sparingly. Do you think it'll, it'll carry on that way or, or, or would you start Grealish, for example? 
I, I wouldn't start British because I think British adds so much when it comes from an impact player perspective when things are tiring and you're, you're facing a deadlock. I think when you bring British on teams, generally worry a lot because you know what he can do. I expect Southgate to do what he does. And that's the, the, the two set of players that will definitely start up front is definitely Kane and Sterling. I won't be surprised he reverts back to Phil Foden again. He reverts back to Phil Foden because he's given Sancho the run out and then he, he takes it from there. So what, what has proven to work for Southgate, I expect him to continue that. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise, I mean, it's such a sad thing to see Denmark get knocked out because they've probably been everyone's second favorite team in this tournament. They really have, right? Not just because of what's happened, because of the way that they play football. Uh, but I won't be surprised if England shut them out again because defensively, England know what to do. The double pivot will be there. Uh, so for a team to make it all the way to the final without conceding a goal, that's, that's some achievement. Really. You wouldn't expect that from England for for sure. It could well be being the, the last match of the knockout of a very good Euros. It could well be the slowest burning match coming up really um all right let's let's wrap up with uh with the guys telling us their two finalists uh craig wilkie the two playing in in the weekend's final for you will be england and italy cam raslan okay i'll say it italy and then england but i want to oh, ross as well i want you to hear yours as well <laughs> Uh, for some reason, I, I think Spain will get through. I, I don't know. Yeah, half of me thinks football fairy tales exist. And if they do, then it's Denmark through to the final. And, and it's more heartbreak, which will still show progress for England, etc. But that's me going really deep into it. Um, yeah, England is Italy for me. Uh, what about you, Armin Sidhu? Slightly different from everyone. I just think Spain, Spain and England for me. Right. There we have it. I think we, we've done... We've done the Euros good in, in this hour. Hope you've enjoyed listening to us. I've got to say thanks to the guys. Thank you to Cameron Aslan. Thank you. Thanks to Craig Wilkie. Thank you. Enjoy the week's football. Yeah, and thank you, Arvin Sidhu. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy the semis. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Don't forget, two more shows left. We've got one on Friday and then our last show next Monday. Have a great week, everybody. See you on Friday. Bye now. Off the Ball every Monday at 8pm on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.